Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Um, before I uh, bring my message, I wonder if Dale and Marilyn Gear could stand. I know they're probably not going to want me to. Would you stand, Dale and Marilyn Gear? Ladies and gentlemen, today is Dale and Marilyn Gear's 57th wedding anniversary. <laughs> And um, Marilyn, I had lunch with Dale this past week, and he told me he loves you more today than he's ever loved you. <laughs> I think you already know that. So sweet, sweet couple, uh, right at the, their patriarchs, their, their pioneers of our church, right at the very beginning of when this church started. All right, so my message this morning, what I'd like to speak to you about is the benefits of failure, the benefits of failure, kind of sounds a little bit like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It's kind of contradictory. But I want to show you in this message, I want to help you uh, in this message understand that God takes your greatest failures and changes your life for the better. I'm going to repeat that. God takes your greatest failures and changes your life for the better. The times when you have most blown it is when God most refines your life. When you have messed up big time, it's then that God changes and grows us. It's those times when we thought, a lot about ourselves and our, our, our own self-worth and we're a little cocky about life and we can do it ourselves and then we go through a failure and God shows us how much we need to be humble before him and how we cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. And then God takes all of our failures and he uses those failures to bring the likeness of Christ Jesus into us. We become more like Christ through every trial, every tribulation, and every failure. I'm going to show you that God's view of failure is way different from our view of failure. And that God's view of us when we fail is way different from our view of ourselves when we fail which often leads, when we go through terrible weakness and failure, it often leads to shame and guilt and sometimes self-condemnation, and we beat ourselves up. The focus of my message this morning is to free all of us from our past, that we would not lament and grieve over past failures, but that God has taken every aspect of our life, including weakness and failures, and he's used that to make you the person that you are today, that you don't have to live a life of regret, wondering, well, why did I do that back then? How come I messed up like that? What was wrong with me? That God knows us. God understands our humanity. He knows that each one of us has been born with a sin nature and with a bent towards sin and that we deal with 
temptation and that we're young. And when we're young, we're sometimes foolish. David said, Lord, forgive me for the sins of my youth because they're so easy to come by. I want to free us this morning. And this message is as much for me as it is for you because I struggle with things in my past. And I, in preparing this message, reminded myself that God is the God who takes ashes in our life and makes something beautiful out of those ashes. God is the God who takes us from our lowest place to where we think life might be over because we have so self-destructed. God takes us and changes us and makes us the son or daughter he wants us to be. That our hopes and our dreams and all those things that we were longing for when we self-destructed, they're all still there for you. And the example that we're going to use this morning is Peter. Peter, the man that we've been studying, who's been giving this awesome message in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. I want to look at this man. Jeff's given two great messages on Peter's message. I want to speak to you about Peter himself and the transformation that took place from what I would consider, and many people consider, Peter as the most famous failure in history. (laughs) He's probably known as the most famous failure in history for his denial of Jesus three times. And suddenly, six weeks later, He's standing in the streets of Jerusalem, giving what some scholars believe is the greatest message of the New Testament. What happened? How do you go from committing the greatest failure, the biggest failure, to standing up and giving the greatest message you possibly could give? Going from this weak human being to this powerhouse with an anointing to give this message that's going to save 3,000 souls. This is none other than the working and the grace and the mercy and the capabilities of the Spirit of God to bring change to us when we've gone through hard times. And I'll bet there's a few of you here this morning and you're going through some hard times or maybe some failures And I want you to know that in the midst of all of this, God is working and he sees you as the apple of his eye. I said a minute ago, he changes ashes to beauty. And wherever you are, if you're even in a great failure right now, God sees you as beautiful. I want you to know that. He sees you as lovely. He sees you as wonderful. Because as I said, God's view of our failures is not our view. We can be very hard on ourselves when we fail. Is that not true? All right, so I want to look at Peter, and we're going to look at the transformation, the wonder. I think I said a couple of messages back. I love this. I have a song in my head. Change from a worm to a butterfly. The metamorphosis of God working in our lives the beauty of the Spirit of God taking us on the journey of life and taking us through all kinds of failures 
and all kinds of successes. And I think sometimes that we can like grade ourselves way too hard, be way too hard on ourselves. So I want to start by looking at his failure first. And we just, I'm just going to read. And if you would turn, I'm going, to, I'm going to just read from our Bibles today. If you would take the Pew Bible right ahead of you in your pew, um, we're going to read about Peter's failure. And then we're going to just read his message. And I just want to, I just want to read some scripture to us today. And I'll comment on it uh, as, I grow, as I go but I want to remind us of how big a failure Peter was, all right? So I want to look at Luke chapter 22, page 883 in your pew Bible. Luke chapter 22, uh, verse uh, 54. 2254, and this is Peter's failure. I'm just going to read this. Luke 22, verse 54. This is during the trial of Jesus that takes place, and we, you'll see in the little drop head here, Peter denies Jesus. Luke 22, verse 54. Then they seized him, they seized Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he, Peter, denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you were talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Oh, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. May I add to this one thing? When you read this account in Matthew, on his third denial, he cursed and swore, I do not know this man. And he went off into the night, weeping bitterly. And we don't know where he went. But you know what I've always thought? I thought Peter went and found a rock and dug a hole under that rock and crawled in it and said, my life is over. My life is done. Like, this is too great a sin for me to ever recover from. And I'll bet that for hours and upon hours, he wept and wept and wept his soul crying out, God, I don't know why I did this, but God, have mercy on me. All alone, he had stood in the Last Supper saying, I would never deny you after Jesus said that the denial was coming. I will never deny you. All right, there's the famous failure. Peter, really a coward, 
I guess we could call him a coward. Maybe, maybe we do the same thing. I don't really know, given the same circumstances. But certainly Peter the failure. Now let's turn to our chapter this that we've been studying the past two weeks, Acts chapter 2. And let's look at Peter now, six weeks later. Six weeks later, let's look at Peter and look at this one whom everybody considers this great failure. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, etc., etc. So the Holy Spirit falls on the 120, it falls on the apostles, and it falls on Peter. And as the crowd in, the, in Jerusalem comes to hear the commotion that's been taking place, if you drop down to verse 14, out of those coming down from the upper room, one man rises up to speak. Who is that man? It's Peter, verse 14. But Peter, now I want you to notice Peter after the Holy Spirit has fallen on him. I want you to notice Peter after he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice Peter after he's been touched by the Holy Spirit, what has happened to him, the transformation that takes place in this man. It's a transformation that is, you can hardly recognize that he's the same Man, because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's rested upon him. So Peter in verse 14, standing with the eleven, he lifted up his voice and he addressed the crowd. He addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be made known to you and give ear to my words. Listen to his authority. Listen to the authority that he has in him now. Let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. But these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third day, third hour of the day, 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And now Peter is going to give his message. And he's going he's to quote Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And this is what's happened to Peter. And this is what's happened to the 120, and this is how the church was born, and this is how God brought forth this beautiful bride on the day of Pentecost. And I shall pour up my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Miracles are coming, the supernatural is being released. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow, what a verse. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's a question 
I would ask you today, have you called on the name of the Lord and has God brought you into a saving relationship with himself? This is what this whole message is about in Acts chapter 2, is the gospel being presented that you could call upon the name of the Lord and that you would be saved. And if you've never done that this morning on this Father's Day, this can be a very special Father's Day that you would call on the name of the Lord. And he continues, Men of Israel, hear these words. Listen to the authority in his voice. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definitive plan and the foreknowledge of God. Listen to the next word. You crucified. This is the one who denied Jesus three times just to a, a little servant, young servant lady. Now he's standing before the very people who crucified Jesus, and he says, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And God caused him to be raised up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and then he's going to quote a Psalm 116 that Jeff gave such a beautiful message last week about. But Peter continues to stand bold and strong, looking directly into the eyes of the same people who were there when he denied Jesus, looking them straight in the eye and saying, you crucified the one that God has sent. You crucified the Son of God. And he quotes Psalm, 100 and, uh, he quotes Psalm 16. For David said concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Now the authority on Peter even increases. This weak, failed man six weeks ago, the anointing on him at this point even increases. And he says, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of of the Christ. And now he brings forth that Jesus had been raised from the dead and that he would not abandon him to Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit which has just been poured out that this yourselves, you, you yourselves have been seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven but he himself says, now the next quote's from Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And here comes the climax and the authority of Peter uh, at its peak right now. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made this Jesus, he's made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you this Jesus whom you crucified. By the, by the way, they did crucify him 
But all of us in this room had a part in his crucifixion, didn't we? All of us, all of our sin played into that. Now when they, this huge crowd in the streets of Jerusalem, packed because it was the Feast of Pentecost, when they heard what Peter had said, they were cut to the heart. This is the power of the anointing and the boldness upon Peter is that when you speak with an unction from God, it pierces the heart. It pierces your heart. And they are indeed pierced to the heart. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, the biggest question in life. Brothers, what shall we do? It's the question that has to be answered by every man and woman on the face of this earth. What shall I do? I hear what you've said. This Jesus was crucified, and he's been raised from the dead, and we're responsible. What shall we do? What shall you do today if you're here this morning and you don't know him? What should you do? Well, Peter's going to tell him. And Peter said to them, repent, which means you turn from your old life, you turn from your sin, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And this authority upon Peter, this unction that he has, with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Wow, if that was a crooked generation back then, what about our generation today? And those who received his word, because his word came in power, and it came with the Spirit of God filling every word, because of the transformation of Peter and the ability to give this message, those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day, 3,000 plus souls. This is the Pentecost Day message of Peter, delivered by the same man who just six weeks earlier had fully denied Jesus that he even knew him. This is what God does. He takes our failures and he completely changes our lives. I want to talk about a couple of other things that I believe played into Peter's restoration. A couple of other things that will play into your restoration when you are dealing with shame and guilt. And I know a lot of you, as I've been talking about failure and weakness, there's something that you're thinking about, a time in your life where you were struggling and, and you self-destructed maybe, or you've messed up, you know, and... And, and, and you look back and you regret all of that, I just want you to know, you know, that as God treated Peter, this is how God treats you. So I want to look at a couple of other sections of Scripture that deal with Peter. And I'd like to have our first slide put up, if, if I could. It's 1 Corinthians 15, and it speaks to us about who Jesus appeared to. And this is a, a passage here that Paul is writing in, in the famous resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says, Now I remind you of the gospel I preached to you, 
which you received and you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now here's, if you ever want to know what the gospel is, here's what the gospel is. I, re- I, I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. That's the first part of the gospel. Jesus died for your sins, for your failures. According to the scriptures, he was buried and was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the 12 apostles, and then to 500 more. Who does it say that he appeared to first? Peter. And when Jesus raised from the dead, he went to Peter as fast as he could. This man living in a hole, weeping, thinking his life was over. And I imagine when Peter first saw Jesus, he hung his head, his eyes dropped to the ground, and he thought, well, he's going to vilify me for what I've done. And instead, Jesus probably embraced Peter, pulled him up, and said, you you are forgiven. I've got a brand new life ahead for you. We don't know exactly what Jesus said to Peter when he appeared to him, but that's, isn't isn't that amazing? The first person Jesus goes to when he's raised from the dead is Peter. He wants Peter to know that in his failure, God deeply loved him. In his failure, God was going to restore his life. In Jesus' eyes, there was still a great plan for Peter's life. And that's true for all of you. The plans and purposes of God for every single one of you are enormous. Right, I want to look at a second passage now that I think shows us God's love for Peter. And the second passage is from John 21 when Peter asked Jesus, uh, uh, when Peter is asked by Jesus three times uh, if Peter loved him. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus knew Peter loved him, even in his failure. And I want to get this across to you this morning, that even in your failure, for those of you who love God, God knows that you love him. And that a failure is not a sign that you don't love him is that we all are weak and we all can get caught off guard and we all can find ourselves in spiritual warfare and we can get into a place where we get messed up sometimes. Have you ever been in a place where you've been messed up? Huh? Yet God knows you love him, even if you dramatically fail. Simon, do you love me more than these? Peter replied, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus said a second time, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And then Jesus said a third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that Jesus asked this a third time and said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Why did Jesus ask Peter three times if he loved him? Because every time he said it, it wiped out the denial. Every time Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? It buried his denial. Three times, 
Peter, do you love me? Three times Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I know, I know many of you here this morning, and I know how much you love the Lord. And I know that you fail, and I know I fail. I have failed twice in the last month. All right, full confession time. <laughs> I have failed twice in the last month. It might not be a failure for you, but it was for me. And I'm not telling my wife. I'm not telling anybody what it was. <laughs> I failed miserably twice. Twice, Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> Just twice. Had nothing to do with you, absolutely nothing. Like, this is just the best wife ever. So, like, I, I'm living in this. I, you need to know that I fail and that I live life just like you and that God's grace and mercy is there for me just like for you and vice versa. God loves us in our failure, you guys. He doesn't look down on us when he fails. He understands us. He's the God of failures. He's the God who gives two, three, four, five, ten chances. He just, you know, I walked around the corner from the parking lot of the high school, and there's a sign there that says, don't give up. Somebody put those around town, I heard. Don't give up. Wow, what a prophetic message. I don't know if it's a Christian or not that put that sign up. But that, that's a word for us. Peter didn't give up. Like, in your failure, don't give up. And look back on your failure now and quit regretting it and say, thank you, God, that you brought me through that failure. You changed my life. I've grown in Christ. You refined me. And I'm not the same person I'd be if I hadn't gone through that failure. Can you do that this morning? Can you get God's perspective of your failure and not go, oh, why did I do that? Well, I know that you say it because I do it. I say the same thing. All right, next slide. Next slide, please. This is what Paul, the apostle, did with his failures. He says, there's one thing that I do. Like Paul knew the importance of this message that I'm giving you right now. There's one thing that I do. Forgetting what lies behind. What did he say? Can, let's all say it together. Forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting all our failures, all our weaknesses, all our mess-ups. Forgetting what lies behind, I press forward to what lies ahead, to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow, is that... I feel... What's the word? Buent. Buent. I feel... Buoyed. <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> I, I, I want to forget. I want to forget that stuff. Does anybody else here want to forget that stuff? Yeah. You want to forget that bad stuff? Yeah. Well, we move on to the. We, 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 you have to turn your. You have to like eject the cassette tape. You got to get the old tape out. And you got to go. I'm not looking on that old stuff anymore. I'm pressing on. I'm moving forward. I think that was the words of one of the songs that Felicia sang. Next slide, please. Winston Churchill. C.S. Lewis is Jeff's guy. 
Winston Churchill is my guy. <laughs> Success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. <laughs> that, that is most excellent. <laughs> that is most excellent. That kind of speaks about a lot of us, doesn't it? You've just kept going. We just keep going. Don't give up. That's, that's the Christian life. You might trip, you might fall, you might fail, you might like living your weakness, but just don't give up. Just keep going. And God will bless it. God will bless your perseverance. God will bless your endurance. Consider all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result. James 1, chapters, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. And finally... Three blessings of failure. Every failure is an opportunity to grow when we learn from it. When we learn from our failure, when we don't want to repeat that again, every failure causes us to grow. Secondly, every failure makes you stronger and better if you don't cave in. And finally, failure reveals how weak we can be and how much we need the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life and fulfill our calling. Wow, that number three there, that thing is huge. Fairly reveals how much we are weak, how weak we can be, and how much we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter was changed from the most famous failure to this glorious man speaking with power and authority because the love of God, the forgiveness of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit transformed him. God will do the same for you.